1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show today we discuss about AI about brain inspired computing. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Malika Payvan. How are you?
0: Hi, it's, it's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Yeah, for me, it's a big pleasure. I found your stuff. Yeah, you know a lot about AI, about computing. So yeah, uh, I I get a lot of questions about that, how to adapt them, how to consider new technology. So I'm looking for these topics. Before we start, just tell more about your self-experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about brain-inspired computing.
0: Yeah, thank you. So my background mm-hmm. is in electrical engineering. Uh, so I got a PhD. Um, electrical and Computer Engineering from University of California in Santa Barbara. Um, and uh, back in the day, I was designing these uh, uh, circuits with silicon technology to interface with novel memory technologies, which are what is called these memristive devices um, that are non-volatile memories that are very small. So they provide a lot of packing density. They can be 3D integrated. On top of the CMOS technology, and uh, so they have a lot of uh, applications for uh, for fields that require a lot of memory, right? And one of mm-hmm. these fields is, is AI. And so, if you want to build these neural networks on hardware in order to accelerate um, their execution and also lowering the, the power, right? So, this you you need this um, specific hardware to run right AI models. And If you want to build this in hardware, you usually require a lot of parameters because your neural networks have a lot of parameters. So you need to have a memory that doesn't take a lot of area.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, these memristors are, um, these are called resistive memory, by the way, these memristive devices, um, they, they are very good for AI applications. So then um, basically I started from here so I was doing designing CMOS circuits to interface with these memory devices, and um, we found applications in uh, neural network and AI hardware. And uh, through that, then I got very much interested in uh, in the field of neuromorphic engineering, which is trying to learn more from the brain to build more efficient uh, neural, neural neural networks on hardware. Um, and then I joined an Institute of Neuroinformatics in Zurich uh, who since 40 years ago, they're working on this problem. So we have uh, neuroscientists actually at the in the in, in, Institute who are uh, working with uh, with animals and, and trying to uh, understand the, uh, the connectivity of the brain and the um, and the structure of the brain, basically, to to give rise to the functionality of of intelligence. Um, So we interact with them daily, and we try to get inspired from these, uh, from what they learn uh, from the brain in order to uh, build that into the hardware. And me specifically, I I like to use these more emerging memory technologies and exploit their physics um, to, to implement what I learned from neuroscientists.
1: Love it. Love it. Awesome. Uh I have the question can you tell where animals when when, when animals uh, will speak to humans, you know, when we <laughs> can teach them, you know, to understand our language <laughs> or because you mentioned that you are working with animals, so I I'm interested. No, no,
0: no, I'm just ah, saying that actually, the in the in the institute we have neuroscientists. Who, uh-huh. for example, do in, in experiments with rats or with uh,
1: ah, okay, got monkeys,
0: that. and yeah, and and through that, right? So they do experimental neuroscience, and then they come up with a, a theory of what which should be a neuronal network or a neural connectivity to give rise to um, the the functional recordings that they have collected from from the brain of these animals. Uh, but i myself i I don't do (laughs) i don't do neuroscience
1: okay got it it. Uh, can you tell uh how to become a phd in a young age Uh, because you know i see you're so young you know but your phd uh, tell our audience how they can achieve such a degree results uh yeah for short period of time, I don't know. Probably not short, but uh, in young age.
0: Um, I don't know. First of all, I'm not as young as you might think I am. Um, um, I don't know. I think it's it's all about passion, right? You know, you don't need mm-hmm. to do a PhD if you if you like science. I think you should only do a PhD if you have a passion and curiosity to understand more about the world um, and wanting to understand the reason behind things. And um, yeah, then if you, if you have that, then, then you would like to, to study more and read more. But nice. I think, um, yeah, otherwise, I don't think anybody, everybody should do a Ph.D. I think it's, <laughs> we have too many Ph.D.s. <laughs> Got and, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah uh, because, you know, yeah, I think passion is most important attitude uh, because, for example, 70% of people hate their jobs. Uh, they have more passion. uh, And yeah, it's terrible uh, that people are, uh, you know, they uh, work in some jobs without passion, without patience. Uh, They want to achieve short, quick results. I don't know how to achieve them. So yeah, without passion and curiosity, I completely agree. It's hard to go ahead. Okay, let's uh, get back to the main topic. Uh, For someone who is not familiar with AI, uh, for example, they know about uh, AI from movies like Matrix, uh, Terminator, <laughs> and similar movies. Can you tell what is brain computing? Uh, just provide basic information about that. <laughs>
0: um. All right. So, the, so brain inspired computing and AI are actually a little bit different. Okay. So, so AI is a let's say a big field, right? So the mm-hmm. objective of which is that um, we want to create. Machines that are intelligent, right? Um, So that's basically the objective of the entire field. And then there there, there are different ways that people are going about this. So there is um, people who work on this from a top-down point of view. So they define this problem as a mathematical problem. And then they uh, optimize a function um, to achieve intelligence on certain tasks and that's uh, where we are in current artificial intelligence systems right so there are certain tasks um that that we we have like um uh, let's say um, recognizing patterns or um autonomous driving or um spotting a keyword or um um yeah you name it so basically you know moving moving objects having robots uh, interacting with um, with the environment and so on so basically these let's say we have certain type of tasks and for each task uh, you you know what your goal is and you define a mathematical function and you optimize that function in order to achieve um the target you you want um, so this is basically what the, the field of machine learning does. Now you can also go about this problem by thinking that okay, we have proof of example of intelligent systems, which is let's say animals, right? So and we humans as the, the, the most uh, prominent example of intelligent uh, people, intelligent animals. And let's, un- let's try to understand why we are intelligent and what are the key principles or key computational primitives that has made us intelligent and try to build that into two systems um, in, order to get, uh, in order to get intelligent systems or intelligent machines. So um, the objective of the AI field again is to, is to create intelligent machines and you can go about it from from two points of view. So one from top down, which is more mathematical, and one more bottom up, which is um, understanding the brain and neuroscience in order to to do the same objective.
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh... I have the question, how complex is the brain computing power? Uh, can you reply to this question?
0: What do you mean by how complex is the power? So when you talk about power as an electrical engineer, I I think you're talking about watts, <laughs> is that what you mean or you mean? Um, uh,
1: l- l- let me clarify about that. For example, uh, you know, I usually use AI tools uh, to increase my speed but people can do this job as well but I know if I use AI I can save some money resources and go much faster uh, in many different directions other priorities tasks uh, and uh, I'm interested uh, you know um, how AI can replace humans today uh, what kind of power they have you know uh, AI, for example, to simplify our lives, to uh, improve the quality of lives. And uh, yeah, just about uh, uh, how AI can uh, replace human beings today from your, your experience.
0: I don't think any AI can replace any human being. So like I said, current AI systems are uh, what we call narrow intelligent. So they are um, they are only good at doing one specific task, right? So you can improve people's uh, quality of life, for example, that's that's what has happened. Um, so if you have a system that can recognize patterns, recognize faces, um, you know, in, instead of having, for example, someone checks your ID, you can have a face detector or, a, a, you know, a voice detector or... Um, stuff like that so the AI, current ai systems are only good at doing one specific task um, mm-hmm. and a human being even the, the most dumb person that you you could ever imagine is a lot smarter than an ai system because we can do a lot right you can, mm-hmm. you can talk to friends you can interact with the environment you can um you can you know you can hold stuff you can drive you can uh, shop you can talk you can recognize patterns so uh, we are what what is called general intelligent machines and um, the goal is to move towards art- artificial general intelligence which is what is known as AGI and um, that's like the golden uh, objective or the golden goal but we are very very far away from from that. So I don't think that current AI assistants can, can replace any human being unless mm-hmm. it's for, for, a, for a task that is very, very specific on which we have a lot of data.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. Interesting. Uh, can you tell which companies, uh, entrepreneurs can uh, use your job that you do? Uh, develop in a way that you uh, research uh, in uh, your institute, uh, how they can adapt uh, your um, job, for example, in, uh, I don't know, like uh, in common activity today. For example, uh, they can save money, resources, or uh, develop innovate products. Just more about benefits. What can not this job? For example, if someone uh, didn't try, but uh, they want to use new technologies, to adapt to their process. Can you tell more about that?
0: Yeah. So the applications that the current systems that we work on are usually for what is called edge computing. Um, So what we mean by edge is the edge of the sensors. So as we are moving more towards um, um, internet of things and personalized Mm -hmm. devices and wearable devices, so we we have two options. So we either have to collect data from all of these devices now that are generating data, put and and take them to remote computing nodes in the cloud, train our systems, and then um, uh, yeah, and then and then put these models back in the devices at, at mm-hmm. each uh, node, or we can move the computing closer to where the data is being generated at the at what we call the edge of the sensors, which is what is called edge computing. Um, so you, you want to have small intelligent processing units um, uh, right next to your sensor, embedded into your sensor, that they do real time learning and processing. And these are usually good for applications such as um personalized medicine so let's say you have you know i have this this watch now that mm-hmm. uh, that is collecting let's say my bio my, my ecg um and uh, even you know you can you can use it for, for a variety of biomedical signals um even muscle activity and so on um and each person is different, right? So mm-hmm. my my biomedical signal is different from yours. So uh, your wearable device can can learn in real time the pa- the pattern of your heart activity, and then and then uh, learn to uh, to detect anomalies in your heartbeat, right? So, for example, anomaly detection uh, is is one application
1: mm-hmm. other
0: applications are uh, you know for example voice active activity detection or keyword spotting it's also a very hot um, application for example you know you have you have all these in your smart home uh, you have alexa you have siri you have hey google so you have these devices that you you want them to be always on but you don't want them to be constantly working because that's not very power efficient. If you have a system that is always, always running, you want it to be mostly in standby, doing nothing until you tell it to do something. So they have to have this uh, what's called keyword spotting unit, which um, is also a very important um, application of these, uh, you know, smart, intelligent, uh, low power devices that we're we're working on. Um, yeah, so basically any type of, of what we call watchdog, right? So when you that you want for real time monitoring of, of any signal that you can think of, be it temperature, pressure, speech, biomedical signal, um, even, even cameras, uh, something that you want to constantly be running and monitoring, mm-hmm. and you know, signals, real world signals. Um, and a result, you as a result, you cannot afford to have a system that is very high, very high power. So you want it to be very low power. Um, then this, this, these kind of uh, systems that we work on, which are more inspired by the efficiency of the brain, that uh, can be very useful.
1: Nice, nice, so valuable. Love it. Okay, let's talk about common mistakes, Uh, what kind of mistakes can you see that companies uh, get, usually get, you know, uh, by adopting AI technologies, for example, that you mentioned, Uh, because, you know, for example, uh, uh, I, in my practice, I made a lot of mistakes. For me, it's hard to count all of them. Uh, uh, But I think uh, failing only brings a new experience and nothing else from your experience. What kind of mistakes uh, companies do by adopting AI technologies and how to avoid them?
0: I mean, to be honest, this is not really my expertise. I don't, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm more of an academic person. I don't really know (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. what uh, depends on the company and and what they're doing. I wouldn't be able to answer this question. I think Mm -hmm. companies are doing a great job. (laughs) If you ask me, Mm -hmm. I think... uh, I don't know. Um, for example, Google, Apple, Facebook. I mean, they all have R and D teams that are working actively on these on these topics. And um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you what would be the the mistakes that people. Use.
1: Okay, no worries. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's talk about. For example, let's imagine you started from scratch. You have no PhD. You have nothing. You just wanna. Uh, you have passion. You love what you do. Uh, Can you tell what will you do today to learn more about AI? Uh, And uh, yeah, just uh, if you have some checklist, you know, learning, acting and uh, something like this, it will be great for uh, people who want to jump on this field. Who want
0: to jump on the field of uh,
1: AI, machine learning. Yeah. Um Yeah. yeah, I guess like
0: uh, on Coursera, there's a there's a lot of interesting. I mean, I, when I when I first started, I think I, I took uh, the course from Andrew Engie, um, I think YouTube <laughs> you know from, mm-hmm. uh, Jan Lee and um, uh, Jeffrey Hinton and uh, so they they all have like great courses. You can find it on YouTube. Um, and of course, there are even Stanford has has a lot of these uh, machine learning courses available for free. So we um, also at the institute, uh, together with my with my colleague Elisa Donati, we have coordinated this uh, project called NeuroTech, uh, which is on neurotechnology, basically letting neuromorphic technologies or neuromorphic computing technologies. Um, it's uh, the website is neurotechai.eu, eu. Um, mm-hmm. There is an education uh, webpage, and we have collected a series of seminars um, of, of a variety of people that are talking about what is this field about, uh, what are the the hardwares, what are the algorithms uh what are the applications and what is the way forward so we have a, a series of these seminars that we've collected and i think that's a great resource for whoever wants to know more about this uh um this field i would be happy to send you the
1: the link if you want to yeah of course of course send me this link if have private chat just send the link and uh, can you tell about uh Practice, because, you know, for example, uh, I can read 100 books how to play soccer, but if I don't play soccer, uh, I'm not sure that I can be a good soccer player. It's the same with any issues, for example, in marketing. Uh, uh, it's better to practice, to do something than just uh, learn. Can you tell, for example, if I take these courses, what do I need to do after that? Uh, how to uh, improve my skills and find something that actually works for me?
0: So as I said, I'm, I'm so again, I'm more of a hardware person, right? So I think um, I think there are a lot of uh, so all of these courses that I've mentioned, for example, on Coursera, they they all have like homeworks and stuff that you can do. And uh, We have also collected um, material from different uh, universities that offer these courses, and and together with the exercises, um, we offer. So there are, again. If, I'm I'm only talking about the, the more brain inspired technology uh, part because that's that's what we do. We have two workshops yearly, one in the U.S. Uh, in Telluride, and one in um, in Italy in, in uh, Sardinia. Which mm-hmm. is called the Capocaccia workshop. It's a hands on workshop. Uh, people can can join. They can do you know hands on project for two weeks and learn from the experts. Um, work with robots, with chips. Um, you, you know, l- learn how to how to code in interfacing systems together. So I would I would suggest that I can I can again send you the link if you want to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. audience. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is what I would suggest.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> okay, yeah, you, you can send all these links. I'll uh, add to this podcast episode. Uh, and uh, can you tell about uh, which companies, from your experience, don't need to adopt these technologies, and which companies are must-have, you know, these technologies, from your experience? Because you know, uh, I know that many companies still ignore it, uh, but uh, you know, their competitors don't, so they can uh, overcome them in the future. Uh, f- uh, and you mentioned about health uh, uh, industry, uh, and uh, for example, when um, I usually discuss uh, about AI technologies with many different experts, and they usually pay attention to one specific direction, like health or uh, shipments. It depends. Uh, can you tell which companies needed today this uh, brain computing and which don't from your experience? Uh,
0: so, again, are you talking more about brain-inspired in- brain computing? Or yes, yes, AI? yes.
1: No, no, brain-inspired. Brain inspired. Brain
0: inspired.
1: I, I think AI, everyone needs AI. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think that. So what I think is that if you, so right now, you know, power is a big problem.
1: Well, mm-hmm.
0: power is always a big problem. So if you're if you're working on systems that are going to generate more data, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, so if you if you're only working with data sets that you already have, um, and you you're just going to train your systems, um for 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 data that you already have i guess you don't need but if you're going to be gen- working with systems that are going to continuously be generating data um, and then you need to you need to process them then you then this kind of brain inspired computing is is great right so you, because it will reduce the the power of the processing of your uh, uh, of, of the sensory data that you're creating so i think whoever worked with with sensors And processing sensor information is going to benefit from from this technology, definitely.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. You mentioned that uh, you love hard work. (laughs) Can you tell more about that? Uh, What does it mean? Uh, So you can work more than eight hours a day, uh, five days a week. And, uh, you know, I I, I often see when uh, people uh, who start working hard can give up. For some time because uh, it's hard it's hard it's better to complain that uh i have no time i i need to do many other things uh from your experience tell how to hard uh i don't know like uh, how do you use hard working in your terminology and uh what uh leads you uh, forward you know uh yeah with this attitude
0: so what I think is that more important than hard working is that you need to be productive, mm-hmm. um, and to be productive um, in a in a job like this, that you need to be uh, creating ideas, you need to be innovative, you need to uh, you know solve important challenges. Um, I think it actually helps to um, to have a free mind, and to have a free mind you you need to you need to be able to rest well and have a Mm -hmm. you have a good work-life balance so for me i think what works really well actually is walking so i walk a lot (laughs) and when (laughs) i when i walk i think it just all the ideas just keep coming to me so i think Uh, how many hours a day (laughs) how many hours a day do i walk
1: yeah yeah
0: i don't know like uh, probably at least like an hour an hour and a half hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, when you're stuck in something, so as long as you have things to do, of course, you know, I think nine hours a day, 10 hours a day, is good to work, but, but as soon as you're stuck, it doesn't really make sense to, to push. I think you should just, you know, take a break and and go do something else and then the solution comes to you. Um, for me, it works really with uh yeah, I think I think it really helps me to 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 take at least a day off during the week, mm-hmm. and you know just mm-hmm. let 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 things kind of settle in my in my brain all the information, and then you know with a with a fresh mind just start working like on Monday again. Um, yes, I think as long as if you really have to just get something done, it's a very different thing. But if you're actually working on challenging problems and that, that requires you to be uh, to be at your best, then, then I think you wouldn't be able to work more than eight, eight nine hours a day, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, <laughs> got it. Uh, you mentioned it's you need to be productive, but, you know, uh, I often see when people can be productive for a long time uh, and they give up. Uh, for example, uh, uh, let me mention some uh, famous YouTubers, uh, PewDiePie, he uh, filmed 100 videos and got only 235 subscribers. Mr. Beast filmed videos for uh, an year and a half to, got to get like a uh, thousand subscribers. So um, many people uh, keep doing something and when they don't see results, they give up. Uh, can you encourage these people that it takes time? For example, I don't know how to achieve. Quick results uh, So when you have passion When you have curiosity uh, When you are willing To work hard You can achieve results For some time uh, Without special deadline And uh, I, I see when people Build high expectations Okay I If I start doing AI Tomorrow I'll get high results So uh, yeah It takes time uh, can, can you encourage uh, People who can give up uh, Why they need to go ahead uh, And yeah What do you think about that?
0: So what I think is that, you know, actually I've thought about this a lot. I think what I think is that you should, so this is why it's important to have passion because Mm -hmm. when you have passion and you like what you do, that's it. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't work for a reward that is your reward. So like you enjoy doing, you enjoy the journey. So it is of course, and and you know, and the rest just comes as a as a byproduct. You know, so you let's say if you're a YouTuber, you just you just like, you know, you just love doing it. So you you just enjoy yeah. doing it. And no matter no matter if you get followers or you're not or not, yeah, it's uh it's something that you enjoy doing. And I think I think that's that kind of come that kind of comes through. Like if you're if you're someone who's very passionate about something um you you're going to at the end make it but enjoy the journey don't uh i think that if you just do it for the reward then then you give up yeah. i think people who don't give up are just because they they define what they're doing as part of who they are like if today i stop doing brain inspired computing i feel like my identity is lost <laughs> And therefore,
1: I can't stop doing that. Um. Yeah, I love it. I agree with you. You know, without passion, it's hard to go ahead. And yeah, I completely agree about rewards. Even if you get these rewards, it doesn't mean that your life uh, is stopped I <laughs> mean, like you can go ahead. Uh, and it's better to enjoy the process, you know, when you do this. Uh, if you have no followers, don't care. Just do what you love. Just it's the same more, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, for me
1: it's, for example, I can play ping pong uh, with my friends. I'd, I'm i not waiting when someone will pay money me uh, or uh, I get some rewards. It's my hobby. And I think it's better, yeah, when you have uh, your living job, uh, it's your hobby, you know, and go ahead with that. Uh, um, I have the question about the future. Uh, can you forecast the future? Uh, what will be, you know, uh, in the future? With AI technologies, with brain computing, uh, machines will destroy humanity or not? What do you think?
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I think that future, even if it comes, it is very, very, very far away. You, I, I always, I always tell my friends, you know, I think, I think people who think. Um, who think ai is dangerous is probably they don't know how 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 stupid ai is <laughs> um, i think you, basically you know these models re- require a lot of data so basically you have to give it the entire internet <laughs> to be able to <laughs> to, to to generate uh, you know i mean it's extremely impressive i'm sure you've you've heard about GPT mm-hmm. um and even like uh, recently dali and these uh these generative models that 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 create paintings and and it's extremely it's it's very astonishing very impressive uh, but mm-hmm. but they have been given a lot of data right and and they are only good at doing that one task that's that's I I keep saying this so even you know you you take. You, you take someone who's not very smart or you, if you, even if you get it take a kid right they can they have an understanding of the world they have common sense they have they are able to reason they know they they know cause reasoning They um they can generalize you know you 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 take a kid you you tell it okay you know this is a phone you don't you don't need to show a kid a gazillion phones for the for the kids yeah. the phone if you if you show it another phone it knows knows it's a phone um and that's what I—that's what it means to be general intelligent, right? To be able to do multiple tasks, and that is where we are extremely far from um, in the in the current AI systems. And um, and you know, another thing for for doing evil, there has to be an incentive
1: mm-hmm. for
0: doing evil. And I don't know what would be incentive of uh, of robots <laughs> be, as in. You know it's a it's a very complex level of of intelligence uh, hmm. to want to do evil because that requires emotions, which is something that we don't even have at all or not even thinking about currently having in, in AI systems right so the objective or the incentive that that the current systems have if, is what we give it is a target that we give it to optimize and I I believe that is that is extremely far away from, from where we are, to have uh, uh-huh. intelligence systems yeah. that destroy us. I think yeah. what is what is a more immediate threat is is the fact that we have data sets that are biased, uh, both in terms of uh, ethnicities, uh, gender, um, and uh, uh, you know so basically i think biased data sets is is what is the more immediate threat <laughs> i believe
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i agree uh, you know i think uh, you know we have this uh, immediate threat right now uh, because for example i think ai can compete with mediocre job. Uh, with mediocre writers uh, who uh, you know, who don't provide creativity, uh, don't touch emotions, AI can, can compete with mediocre uh, designers who just uh, draw generic boring pictures, but uh, if you have creativity, if you love what you do, uh, as we mentioned about that, about passion, so yeah, uh, you're not in trouble you know competing with AI. Uh, yes, Malika. But...
0: You know, mm-hmm. this is a social problem sorry sorry just say. Yeah, <laughs> you know we, we talked about this universal basic income right so uh, it is not a bad thing for for ai to take over jobs of of um, of routine jobs right and what we should do is to think about systems that can provide people with uh, a universal income mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And have the jobs be done, the you know the boring jobs being done by by machines, and have those people you know go follow their passion, and and mm-hmm. you know do do something that maybe they wanted to do and they never had the chance to. So I think we can really think about this positively. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, I have the final question uh, about emotions. You mentioned that AI uh, doesn't have emotions. It's probably that uh, scientists, like, you can teach emotions AI. What do you think uh, in the close future or not?
0: <laughs> I think that, <laughs> that that is what uh, a lot of, so we, we think, this is why I think it's important to, to learn more from the brain, right? Mm-hmm. To, to understand <laughs> what gives rise uh, to emotion and how, how is this encoded as information in our brain and how that changes the information processing in our brain. Um and uh yeah so i think that that is definitely something that is not going to come from math it's something that is definitely something that we have to just dis- discover more from understanding about the brain and mm-hmm. build that into our AI systems
1: love it love it uh okay guys uh i can tell you uh, if you want to learn more about AI, about machine, uh, brain, uh, computing. So you need to follow Malika on social media to learn from her. You can see a lot of valuable insights. Uh, Malika, tell uh, the best way how to reach out to you, to learn more about you, follow you.
0: Twitter, I would say. Yeah, you can follow me Twitter, Malika Pavand, Just my first name, last name.
1: <laughs> Okay, guys, you need to do it because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Uh, It's a big pleasure to get my show. You share a lot of valuable insights. You discovered more about, uh, uh, shared more about this world of AI, uh, machine, brand, computer. Love it. Okay, guys, uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank
0: your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use.